Hello. On September 30th, 2018, we had a malfunction in our recording equipment, so our sermon was not recorded. But we've decided to do this podcast in place of it since we are in the middle of a series and just make sure that that information is available to everybody who is following in our series in James called Reality Check. This past Thursday, on September 27th, 2018, uh, much of our country was very much riveted by the testimonies of Dr. Ford and Judge Kavanaugh. And what I saw as I watched the testimonies, but also paying attention to social media, to news outlets, is how many people across America were so heavily divided. The way in which people were uh, protesting, um, some of the, the really nasty things that were coming out on Twitter, in comment sections, on news articles. And, and here's what stuck out to me. It seemed as though many, many people were not that interested in whether or not Dr. Ford was telling the truth or lying, whether Judge Kavanaugh was telling the truth or lying. They had already made up their minds. It didn't matter what was being said. They had already decided, and maybe they'd made that decision based upon they were Democrat or Republican. Maybe they'd made that decision because something in their past had happened that allowed them to identify with one person or the other. There were numerous reasons out there, but one thing was true. It was a decision based on an outcome, not a decision based on what might be the truth. That is favoritism. That is what James has been talking about. When he said at the beginning of chapter 2, do not show favoritism as you live out your faith in Jesus Christ. What he meant, one part of what he meant was do not decide ahead of time based upon whether it's a political party. Maybe it's a denomination. Maybe it is a country. Maybe it is racial. Maybe it is about money. But, but don't make your decisions about something beforehand based on anything other than the truth. And that's what we want to get into today, because James continues his talk on favoritism, on showing partiality. But it's interesting the way that he opens up. He says this in verse 8, if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. So he is kind of laid into them a little bit in those first seven verses where he says to them, don't show partiality, and if you show it, then the following is true of you. You are not representing Christ well. You're acting like a judge who takes a bribe, and you are actually honoring at times people who are dishonoring God while not honoring those that God honors. That's pretty big. It's pretty heavy. But then here comes James, and he says, but, and this is verse 8, um, if, however, right, that's the idea in verse 8, if, however, you are fulfilling the royal law, and, and royal law here, as he quotes, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, royal would be a reference to kingly. This is the law that Jesus, in his teachings, is laying out. Right? And if you fulfill what Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. Right? And this is coming directly when, you may remember the story, um, a man, a lawyer, comes to Jesus And he says, 
Um, he says, what is the great commandment? And Jesus says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Basically, the entire law boils down to one idea, love. And this specifically, love God and love your neighbor. Well, the lawyer says to him, and Luke adds a comment. He says, wanting to justify himself, the lawyer says, who is my neighbor? Right, what's behind that? Well, I, I really don't think the lawyer is a, a really bad guy. Um, I don't think the lawyer is, is particularly evil. I think what is happening is the lawyer wants to justify his favoritism. He wants to be a neighbor, but he only wants to be a neighbor to certain people. He wants to be a neighbor to the Jews, but not to the Samaritans. And he thinks that's okay. He thinks that makes him okay still. And so he says to Jesus, wanting to justify himself, who is my neighbor? And you know the story. Jesus talks about the, the guy who comes down and he gets jumped by robbers and he gets beat up and things are stolen from him. And then here comes a priest and here comes a Levite. You know, if you're hearing the story, you think, oh good, this priest is going to help out. And the priest just keeps going and the Levite just keeps going. But then here comes a Samaritan. And the Samaritan stops and he helps this guy out and he bandages his wounds and he makes sure he gets to a place to stay and he pays the money necessary for the man to stay. And and Jesus says at the end, not here's how I'm going to answer your question about who is a neighbor. Because Jesus never answers that question. Why? Everyone is our neighbor. Rather, Jesus answers the questions that needs to be answered, which is how do I be a neighbor? So he says to the man, who is the neighbor? And the lawyer answers and he answers correctly. He says, the one who showed mercy, that was the one who's the neighbor. And Jesus says, yes, that is correct. Now, we need to keep that in mind. The one who showed mercy is the one who loved his neighbor as himself. And you bring that back to James. James has been talking about that idea of partiality. And James says, if, however, you're loving your neighbor, that is, you're showing mercy, and specifically to the poor in this case, if you are showing mercy and not trying to justify yourself like the lawyer did, then you are doing well. You're doing the right thing. Here's the first point that James makes. If you show mercy, then you are commended by the law, by the royal law, by the, the teachings and the life of Jesus Christ. If you show mercy, that is if you're loving your neighbor as yourself, by showing mercy, the law is actually commending you. I read this really great story about a man named Jimmy Galisi, um, who's the owner of a bar um, called Jimmy's um, at Red Dogs in, um, uh, in North Carolina. And, and the story is he got a phone call from, and this was just past March, um, he got a phone call from a woman who was frantic, who was trying to find um, her, her wallet that she had lost. And, and what she was so upset why was not, there was $150 in cash in there, there were some credit cards, some IDs, but most importantly, she had taken her wedding ring off and put it in this wallet. Well, um, Jimmy Galisi actually watched um, footage for three hours of surveillance cameras until he finally he found her sitting on a bench out in front of the, the bar and she had set her wallet down and a, a young man in a hoodie had walked by and grabbed it. Well, he then put out on Facebook um, what he had and, and this young man, once it went viral, um, he actually contacted the bartender to tell him, you know, I 
I'm the one that did it. Um, his name was Rivers Prather, and, and and he owned up to taking this wallet. So Galisi wasn't sure what he thought about this whole thing, but he found out that the boy had he had seen the ring, but he thought it was fake. And so he took the money, he went and he got himself some lunch, but he had thrown the wallet off the dock into the water. So Galisi went down there to the docks with the young man. The cops had been called, and, and he met him, he heard his story, and, and what he saw in this kid was not a criminal, but he saw a kid, 17-year-old kid who hadn't eaten in two days, who had been fighting with his family, he'd been living by himself in the woods for a week, and so he decided to help this kid out. And he called divers to come and to find this wallet. And, and he sat with this kid. He even told the cops that I will be with this kid at the dock. So he showed this kid mercy. He went out of his way. He used his own money to hire these divers. He tried to protect this kid as much as he could, even from the police, because this was a felony. This stolen wallet, this ring that was worth upwards of $10,000. But Jimmy Galisi went out of his way to help try to show mercy to this kid. That's what we are called to do. Show mercy. Love our neighbors, not show favoritism. And when we do that, we fulfill the royal law and we are in the right. However, and this is where James goes in verse 9, but, and that's a huge but right there. Here's the thing. If you do this, you're doing well. However, you really need to make sure you're doing it. I've already told you that when you, do, when you show favoritism, you're not representing Christ. You're like a judge who takes a bribe. You may be honoring people that God dishonors, and you may be dishonoring people God honors. But let's get to the real heart of this. If you love your neighbor, the law commends you. But if you don't, the law convicts you because you are sinning. Here's what James says in verse 9. But if you show partiality, you're committing sin. You are convicted by the law as a transgressor. Right? This is huge. Right? You can't think of this. We can't think of this as like some simple little thing like I was late to a meeting. Hey, that's bad but it's probably not sin. You know, I forgot to water my wife's plant. That's bad, but it's not sin. If you show partiality, it is sin, James says. And the law convicts you as a transgressor. That's a big word too. That word is used of Adam. When Paul talks about Adam and Adam eating of the tree, he's a transgressor. I mean, this is really big. When we show partiality, James wants us to understand how significant it is. It is a sin and the law convicts us. The royal law that says, love your neighbor, show mercy, it convicts us. We're we're, we're transgressors of the law. And he goes on to describe why. Verse 10, he says, for whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. Wow. Wow. I mean, let that sink in. I mean, we cannot think of the law as a bunch of individual commandments. And so as long as I keep a bunch of them, I'm doing okay. James says, no, you break one. You've broken the whole. The law is a unity. All right? And, And think of it like this. 
you, you know the, the Christmas tree light strands? The ones where like one bulb goes out and the whole strand goes out because it's a series circuit. And the electricity is going from one to the next to the next to the next. And as soon as you break that series, you break that circuit and it can't go on and everything goes out. And then you have to go through that whole thing of like, which one is it? It's such a pain. The law is like that. You break one, the entire strand goes out. There's no light in any of it. You've broken all of it. Right? The law's a unity. But not only is the law unity, look at verse 11. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. Hey, he both fills that out by saying, look, you break one of them, you've broken all of them. But he also connects it to a person. Hey, notice, for he who said, it's a person, it is personal. Hey, the thing about the law is it is not just a generic um, kind of impersonal commandment, but it's connected to a person, to Moses and to God, right? to Jesus and to the Father. Okay? The law is the, the expression of the character and the person of God, so that when we break it, it is a personal thing. Right? Look at, think of it like this. Um, I would imagine, and I don't want to assume this, but I would imagine pretty much everybody who hears this podcast speeds. I mean, pretty much all of America speeds. Hey, we break the law by speeding, and yet nobody really cares. Most people who speed don't get home and go, oh, I feel so awful and so guilty that I was speeding. I must pray for forgiveness. No, we didn't even think about it. It's not that big of a deal. Why? Because it's impersonal. Because we think it doesn't hurt anybody. Everybody does it. It's just the state, right? In fact, from state to state, you have different laws about speeding. Right? Different, uh, you can go different speeds. However, what happens when you're going through a school zone and it is covered with kids? I mean, they're crossing the street. They're walking near the street. They're all getting out. What happens when you see somebody zoom by really quickly? You get ticked, right? I mean, I do. All of a sudden, I'm angry that somebody's breaking the speed limit where I just broke the speed limit, and the only thing I was mad about is the guy in front of me was driving too slow. Am I a hypocrite? No, it becomes personal because we see all the kids and we recognize that there's a reason we're supposed to be driving slow. And when people don't drive slow, we get upset because they may hit one of these kids. It's personal. When you think of the royal law, you must understand it is a unity so you break one, you break it all, and it goes back to a person. It is personal. It is an affront to God. The law is an expression of the person and the character of God so that when we break it, it is a personal thing against God. So you put this together, and James wants us to understand. If we fulfill the royal law, we show mercy, then the, then the law actually commends us. You're doing right. You're doing the right thing. Keep showing mercy. But when we don't, we break the law and we break the whole law and it is an affront to God personally because it is the expression of who he is. Now, where does James go with this? Okay, remember that idea of mercy. Hey, this whole thing where he says the royal law, you shall love your Lord, it's all connected back to what Jesus, his brother, was teaching. And it's all connected back because now he's going to bring mercy in. He's bringing mercy in because it was part of the teaching of Jesus. Here's what he says then. 
so speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. All right? If you know that showing mercy, the law commends you, but not showing mercy, the law convicts you, then do the right thing. That's essentially what verse 12 is. Do the right thing. Show mercy. Do the same kind of thing that Jimmy Galisi did. Do the same kind of thing that Samaritan did. Show mercy, not favoritism. That's the opposite. Right? James would say part of the reason we don't show mercy is because we're actually showing partiality. We don't want to help that person for whatever reason. Maybe it's because, you know, we don't like the look of them or the smell of them or, you know, we don't like their background or we don't like their race or, or we don't like their poli- politics or whatever it is. But part of the reason we're not showing mercy, James says, is because we're showing partiality instead, which is why he can say up here in verse eight, love your neighbor, but if you show partiality, if you're not loving your neighbor, part of the reason is partiality, it's favoritism. Therefore, if you know that to do, to show mercy is to be commended and to not show mercy is to be convicted, do the right thing. And we're back to the language he's been using. So speak and so act. I mean, we've already seen this numerous times throughout his epistle. It's like hear and do. Now, you can't just hear. You got to do it. James is very much about action. But here's what he says. And this is where it's going to get tough here for a minute. And, and I need you to listen to this. Right? Our tendency, and what I'm about to say, is to be like the lawyer. We're going to want to justify ourselves. We're going to want to justify our theology. We're going to want to explain this away. But we need to take James at his word. And, and I have read a number of commentaries on this. I've read all kinds of articles. There's lots of disagreement. So I'm going to give you one way of seeing it. But here's, what I've, here's the conclusion I've come to. The reason this is so difficult is because we won't take it at face value. If we take it at face value, it's not that hard to understand, but it challenges some of our Protestant evangelical theology. And that's when we're going to want to be the lawyers and we're going to want to step in and justify ourselves. So here's what he says. So speak and so act, that's the conclusion, as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. Don't let that throw you. The law of liberty is also the law in verses 8, 9, and, and 8, 9, 10, and 11. It is the royal law. He doesn't suddenly change the equation. Right? It would make no sense for James to go, if you fulfill the royal law, blah, 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 but if you break this other law that's not even the royal law, and so you're to be judged by a third law. None of that makes sense. James is almost always talking about the teachings of Jesus. He has different ways of talking about it, and there are some nuances to it, but it's the same basic thing, right? So let me give you the the kind of train of thought, the logic, all right? If you fulfill the royal law, you're commended, but if you show partiality, you're breaking the royal law, and so you're convicted by the law. Therefore, you need to act and you need to speak and act as those who are to be judged under that law, which means what? For verse 13, for judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Now we pick up on that day of mercy. And essentially, this is what it says. You are going to be judged by the royal law. And if you do not show mercy, you are not going to be shown mercy. And it's not just the teaching of James. It's the teaching of his brother Jesus, our Lord and Savior, who said, blessed are the merciful for they shall be shown mercy. When he talked about that unforgiving servant, that parable, where he says, 
that guy who was shown mercy, he should have shown mercy to others. This is a teaching we need to, to grasp, to grapple with, to be challenged by, not to justify ourselves, but to go, we are going to be shown mercy when we show mercy. But brothers and sisters, if we don't fulfill the royal law, if we aren't showing mercy, then our judgment is without mercy. And he says, mercy triumphs over judgment. When we show mercy, it triumphs over judgment. God is not looking for any kind of perfection in our life. He's not looking for sinlessness in our life. The reason Jesus had to come and show us mercy is because we cannot earn our way into heaven. We cannot earn our way into eternal life. Jesus had to come and do that on our behalf. However, when we do not show mercy as it has been shown to us, it means something. James wants to get that across. It means something. We must, as Christians, as believers in Christ, not show partiality, but show mercy. Not show favoritism, but love our neighbor as ourself. Because there's a judgment that is coming. And even Paul talks about the fact that we will sit before the judgment seat of Christ. When we go into Matthew 25 and we look at the sheep and the goats, who are the ones that are on the right? The people that have shown mercy. We must, brothers and sisters, show mercy because it's been shown to us. You know, and here's the really thing. This is the thing we got to take in. We've already been shown that mercy. Jesus already gave that mercy to us. You know, if you keep that, that story that I told you about Jimmy Galisi, what is amazing about that story is it's an end right there. You know what else he does? He not only stays with this boy, even as the cops are there and they're trying to find this wallet, he is with this boy. He's standing on his side. But he didn't just stand with him. He didn't just call the divers to get the wallet. He invited the boy into his home afterwards. This boy actually lives with him. This boy, was he was feeding him. There's a picture on social media where he's at the table with Jimmy's family. He took him in. He took him in and he gave him a job too at the bar. He's caring for this boy. The mercy just keeps going. And that's what God has done for us, brothers and sisters. He's taken us into his family. He gave his son that we could be forgiven. And he took us into his family. He made us his children. He showed us that kind of mercy. And you know what that boy, um, uh, Prather Rivers said, do you know what that boy said? He said, I thank Jimmy every day and I would do anything for him. How can we not feel that way about Christ? How is it that we could not see that mercy given to us and just want to give it to everybody else? That's what we're called to, brothers and sisters, to extend the mercy that has been given to us, to love as we have been loved. James says, so speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty because you have already been given mercy. Now we need to extend that mercy to others by loving our neighbors ourselves. Now, I know this is challenging because the whole idea of works and grace and how does that work out? And next week, James is actually going to spend 12 verses trying to elucidate and to prove this point. And so I encourage you to listen next week as we dive more into it. Lord Jesus, 
We pray that you would let us see the mercy you've given to us, that we might extend that mercy to others, that we would understand what you've done on our behalf. Lord, and if we've never embraced that mercy, I pray by your spirit that you would help the person listening right now who needs to know your love and know your mercy to be open to it. Lord, thank you for all you've done. In the name of Jesus, amen.